Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. is revolting with steve and robot on the cycling independent episode 111 baby it's cold outside content warning we can't tell you in advance uh what we're going to say on this podcast today's episode probably not going to be great uh, you might find yourself mildly nauseated or dizzy you might hear a fart joke these things happen sometimes you've been warned take a hike hit the road knuckleheads Jack. Hey, it's a hundred. It's the hundred eleventh episode. Um, whoa, you've been uh, you've been a rambling man these last few weeks. We we stacked episodes. We recorded and we recorded and we recorded. We recorded like three t- in a week, which probably um left us with not a lot to talk about. Because I think we recorded one, and then I was saw you the next day, and uh, then we recorded again. It's like fuck, dude. We just. What the like I don't even like talking. I don't even like being around myself that much. And then you and I, we we like to dug deep, and then it was just you know I kind of was like, oh fuck, we're just staring at each other now. But well, you, you did tell the story about almost choking on a French fry, and then you told vomit stories for like an hour and a half. <laughs> I actually thought it produced podcast gold. Man. Um, yeah, I was uh, I was kind of on one. I don't know. I was you, like high, and then I was low. I was tired, and then I was like amped up, and I was so tired I was amped up, and vice versa. Uh, in the time since we've last sat with one another, you've journeyed to the other side of the world, and I got COVID. You got to go on an exotic vacation, and I was locked down for like 11 days. So... If, if 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 that doesn't sum up our existences in a nutshell, you jet setting, having fun, being handsome, me shuffling around in my seven year old slippers that the soul finally blew out on a couple oh, of days ago. That is that is a symbol of sadness <laughs> right there. Fuck. Uh, so let's talk about it. What uh, what happened? You you wore you wore some boots, some fancy new boots. I went to a wedding on a island off the coast of Auckland, New Zealand. And this island has like olive groves and vineyards. Um, and you can see the ocean from there. And, you know, it was delightful. My nephew got remarried to the same person. They they had had a courthouse wedding, an immigration-based courthouse wedding seven years ago in Manhattan, and then they decided that they wanted to have a fabulous wedding, so they had a fucking fabulous wedding. I'll say. You were, so, you were solo? Your wife didn't go with you? Is that right? That is right. My kids' schooling <clears throat> did not allow for the, um, for the traveling of all of us, yeah, uh, which that. makes me... S- that would have cost... Like 
$40,000. That's also factual. It, it probably would have cost. It probably would have cost close to 20 grand mm. all in. Maybe more. Turn, um, turns out, uh, you know, podcasting and freelance writing doesn't really bring in 20 grand worth of travel money, does it? No, 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 no. When I cut up my own personal earnings and uh, assign it to the various buckets, I have $7.83 budgeted for travel. <laughs> I hope your family appreciated the uh, the effort that you put into making it to that wedding. Because, that, that you know, you spent like a year's salary just yeah. to get there. Well, you didn't have money for boots, let alone a trip to Australia. I mean, New Zealand. That is correct. That is correct. I, and being that they are my family, I will just say I don't think they appreciated it at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck, man. Uh, welcome back. It's pretty. But I was I was, I was in New Zealand. Yeah. yeah I was there at, that, and I did. Not, all, I, it's not something a lot of people can say. I mean, except for people in New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. All like 25 or 30 of them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, New Zealand's a real nice place. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I bet. I'll tell you that for free. I always wanted to go. My dad had a real passion for it growing up. And so we always, I, you know, I'd like, we, we had books. We had like New Zealand books all over the house. I grew up always fantasizing about, you know, like looking at, uh, looking at pictures and reading about it. And it's just, it just looks like a little slice of heaven. And then of course, you know, the Lord of the Rings blew it up. Um, it does look like, uh, did you ever remember a book when you were a kid called Alexander and the no good, very bad something, something day like, yo yeah. Yeah. Kid loses his marble and the drain and everything gets gum in his hair and shit. And so he decides that he's going to go to Australia and his mom said, even in Australia, they have bad days. That, that was the upshot. Spoiler alert. Oh, um, <laughs> but I always kind of thought like, no, I don't think, I don't think people in New Zealand have bad days. You know, we're like rats in a cage here in the United States. Everybody hates everybody. Nobody's happy. Everybody's fighting for that brass ring. I can tell you that my experience of Kiwis, as they're known, is that they are uh, almost universally cheerful, friendly, and helpful. Mm -hmm. Uh and as a traveling American, you expect to be encountered by, oh, fucking Americans. You know, you <laughs> you expect that. But I didn't get. Yeah, I didn't get that at all. They, everyone was like really friendly, happy to help. Um, life moves very certainly moves more slowly there. Uh, I got back here to the northeastern United States and I I had to go pick up a prescription at the CVS the consumer value store and I went in there and everyone was an asshole and I was like <laughs> I had just come from like candyland basically <laughs> and I was like come on Americans like we we got to do better than this mm -hmm. we got to be more cheerful than this come on mm. it happens I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Well, welcome back. Uh, anyway. Thanks. Um, I was envious. Uh, not, I don't really have much to report on. Like I said, uh, weather's been shit. Uh, I was sick. I got nothing. 
been hiding in my little my little bomb shelter and i've been painting um uh that that's it that's it probably got drunk a couple times oh bought some brass knuckles got drunk and bought some brass knuckles i saw um, those brass knuckles yeah it's and just, they made me they made me happy did I they saw, make you happy <laughs> yeah i mean sure yeah we're just talking like money can't buy you happiness but uh you know 40 bucks will buy you some pretty cool brass knuckles and that <laughs> <laughs> like I, I think what happened was um i was watching a movie oh, i was watching uh nice guys nice guys it's a you hadn't seen the nice guys i encourage you it's a uh, uh two people whose name i can't remember and I thought that I'd seen it and I was reading somewhere. Somebody said, um, somebody said, man, that was a really underrated movie. I really liked that. And I watched the trailer for it and I was like, I feel like I've s- seen this, but well, fuck it. Like, what, what do I have to do with my day? I'll watch it again. And I watched it again and I have not seen it and I fucking loved it. It was awesome. But there's an opening scene where a dude lights another dude up with some brass knuckles and I was and I was a little hungover at the time I was like that's it I'm gonna buy some like that just seems like a good <laughs> idea <laughs> now anyone who isn't following Stevel's movements minutely <laughs> you know on a daily basis congratulations uh, should know that these particular brass knuckles um if you were to catch him clean say in the forehead they would say I got hit by Steve. Well, no, that's the palm. That part I got engraved. It just says I got hit by Steve. I don't know. It just seemed like a like a funny ruse. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know why. I don't. I don't know why. Years ago, probably twelve or fifteen years ago, when I had apparently I had like three hundred dollars to drop on a four finger ring, like a custom four finger ring. Yeah. Jen Green, uh, the jewelry artist and head badge maker extraordinaire, made me a four a sterling silver four finger ring that says "I got hit by Steve," but it's backwards. But right. it's not ergonomic. I mean, if you hit somebody with this, you would break all of your fingers for sure. It's really, it's it's for show. It's dress it's dress up jewelry. It would be it would work well if you punched them, then put the ring on and then carefully rolled it across their forehead in the right yeah. direction. Yeah. Yeah. That would be one way of doing it or stamp it like carry an ink pad. Oh, and yeah. Stand. So it's not the kind of thing, you know, I mean, there you could have like a cast ring that said it and it had raised letters and stuff that that would be like that'll probably be the third thing that I buy in a hungover haze. Mm-hmm. Is is a custom cast ring like that, but um, yeah. So this just it's just engraved in the in the palm piece, and the front is you know there's nothing to it. It should have said because like I wrote on my BB gun, it says uh, I just wrote I am the law. It's a quote by Judge mm-hmm. from Judge Dredd, the comic book character. Yeah, it, sh- it should have said something cheeky like that, but I was you know not really thinking things through. So whatever, it's just another, you know, it's just more groceries I'm not able to afford because I got some cool (laughs) brass brass knuckles now. (laughs) I feel like if you were a kid in the 70s, there's two things you wanted. One was a set of brass knuckles. (laughs) The other was a switchblade knife. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I was talking. Followed followed closely by a switchblade comb because that's hilarious. Yeah, I was talking to the guy who owns the bar I work at, and he said he's got one. It's an angel blade, like it's the 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 blade comes straight out instead of 
opening up like a normal right. blade with a spring. Yeah. And he bought one of those with like a pretty weighty spring. It's like, you know, the only people that can carry those are military or law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And when he bought it online, it said, are you military or law enforcement? And he said, yes. And then, <laughs> so no, yeah, like, that was as far as uh, the screening. That was the clearance necessary. <laughs> yeah. That was the screening process. I'm like, I wouldn't fuck with the stolen valor and saying that I'm military, but I'm not, I don't have a problem saying I'm law enforcement because in effect, by extension, as a door, as a door person enforcing the law of the state, Yep. Uh, you know, ergo, ipso facto, LLC. Right. <laughs> I mean, uh, Esquire. Uh, Quota rot demonstrandum. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm law enforcement, so I guess I could get away with that little fib, that little ruse. I mean, you already have a BB gun that says I am the law. Fuck, my BB gun says it. That's basically, uh, just basically authentication. Right? I'm pretty sure the Second Amendment says everyone can have a gun who th- thinks that they have better ideas than everyone else. So <laughs> you're right. I am the law on the stock. You uh, you get a free pass. I think you're in. So you uh, welcome back. Uh, I'm glad that you had a good trip. I thought about you a lot. I sort of feel like based on our initial exchange yesterday, we we're supposed to record yesterday morning and then. Your day got balled up. I got a vibe that you were a little, a little pinched, maybe. Like you were, things were going wavy gravy for you, and then you got back in real life, kind of yeah, put its finger in your nose. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing: when you are in a beautiful country on the other side of the planet from your daily responsibilities. And you've basically planned one awesome thing to do all day. Um, life goes real great. Like you get up in the morning and you're like, mm, yeah, oh, let's find some coffee before we do insert name of awesome activity. Right. And then after awesome activity, you're like, that was really fun. Let's get dinner. Um, and then, I mean, that's that's. Uh, that is the best way to live your life. And then I got back here and it was like, it was like I was in the ring with Mike Tyson. Yeah. Responsibilities and realities and all the bullshit. It all, it all is still there. Yeah. I mean, for just as an example, I spent a half hour on the phone this morning with (laughs) FedEx international trying to figure out why a box full of custom bike frames worth about 10 grand has been sitting in Memphis for a month. Mm. And FedEx international is only slightly less helpful than FedEx domestic who is not helpful at all. So is I that, got angry. I got was, people angry at me and I'm angry a, at other a, people. That's a seven thing. Is that what, is that what's going yes, on? Yes, That is a seven cycles um, mm. snafu. That's a bummer. Uh, and I got to take my mom to the doctor today because it's a day and that's what you do on days is you take your elderly mother to a doctor. We did some uh, we did some deep breathing exercises right before we hit the record button today. Feel like we might need to put a pause <laughs> and do, do 
do a few more. I don't know. You want to get uh, you want to get on with this and see if the momentum kind of clears out some of these uh, imminent cobwebs. Yeah, I mean, let's keep going. This is this is the most therapeutic thing I'm going to be doing all day. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> oh, okay. Yeah. So we did a content warning. We did a little catch up. You got some shout outs. Yes. As do yes. I. I want to shout out your friend and mine, the Kiwi G, Zane Jenkinson, for driving an hour and a half to buy me breakfast in New Zealand. That's wild. That's why I wouldn't drive an hour and a half for fucking anybody. And then I was thinking, like, how disappointing that must have been for him. (laughs) Um, Well, let me just say, Zane lives in a charming little beach community on the east coast of New Zealand. And I, through an error of my own planning and foresight, I kind of like blew past him on my itinerary. And he was like, I was like, but it would be stupid if we don't meet. And he's like, don't worry, I'll drive to meet you. Now, he met me in Hamilton, New Zealand. Hamilton is perhaps the worst place in New Zealand. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm going to be in Hamilton. He's like, why the fuck are you going to be in Hamilton? That's a terrible idea. Um, But he drove one hour and one half hour from the beach where he lives to Hamilton to buy me breakfast. And what I can tell you about Zane, having now met him live in person, is um, first of all, he gives a good hug. Second of all, um, I would describe many of the American people that I meet as disingenuous. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're like. They're trying to get something from you or they're they're trying to get you get past you get whatever. I would describe our friend Zane Jenkinson Jenkinson is entirely genuine. He's friendly, he's honest, he's open, he's forthright. As we speak, you and I right now, he is probably on a riding lawnmower uh under the um pleasant New Zealand sun listening to this in his headphones and cringing that I'm saying nice things about him. I hope so. Um I, there there's got to be I don't trust him. There's something <laughs> there's something amiss. Well, 100% if an American person had been as friendly and open with me as Zane has been, I'd be like, that dude's in a cult and maybe I'm in a cult now too. <laughs> I just don't, I mean, there's a lot of, it's funny cause we have, you know, I don't know what the listenership is and uh, for this podcast and I don't really pay any attention to the readership on my own site anymore. Um, but there was a time um, I think there were 53 people who listened or who, who came to my site uh, from Australia. Fifth, I mean, from Florida. Florida fucking hated me even less than that. There was fewer than that. It was like in maybe in the twenties, but Australia had this huge fucking readership and New Zealand had this huge readers. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like what, how are, how are these people so far, far away? Uh, you know, physically, what is it about what I'm doing or what we're doing? That is, that is, uh, the people respond to on the other side of the planet. And I understand fuck Florida. Like, whatever, Florida didn't. Florida Florida's didn't. its own worst punishment. <laughs> Florida doesn't get it. 
Um, but like, how does, I just, I don't know. The internet's a, the internet's a trip. How well, is it that people so far away find this thing? And like, why does it resonate with them? You know what I mean? Well, the thing that Zane said to me over breakfast, uh, is that, and cause I asked him, I was like, why the fuck are you listening to us? Uh, on the other side of the earth. And he was like, you guys are just relatable. Now here's the t- subtext that I laid on top of what he said. Well, we're criminals is that's what that means. Cause every, <laughs> I don't know about New Zealand, Australia, it's just a colony of criminals. Well, in, in New Zealand, when you hear someone who espouses uh, a viewpoint and a life experience that you can relate to, you think, Oh, we have we're friends. We have common. We have a commonality. We have a, this thing that pulls us together. If you if that same uh, person is an American, they think, what's these guys fucking angle? <laughs> Interesting, because I still wonder that about you. Like, <laughs> I don't And so You know, we've met. We're friends. We've been talking weekly for over a year. Uh, but I still don't trust you. Yeah. Uh, it's, maybe that's just it's just in our DNA. Could be. Um, I used to train. There was a gym. <clears throat> I don't know if I was doing like injury prevention or rehab. Was, I mean, it's I'm always either almost injured or I'm just getting over an injury. But I was training with this dude who was a semi-professional rugby player named Jacob, and this dude was huge. All the guys in this gym were like, you'd look at them and you'd be, you'd think they are a bunch of fucking meatheads. One guy's from Boston, the guy who owned the gym, Dave, Mm. and he was Boston Mm. and fucking massive. But I could run in. It was like, I haven't been able to do this since I was small. And I would run and jump and my dad would catch me. Mm. Dave is big enough that I could throw all 200 pounds of myself against him. And he would just hold me like a baby. It was so (laughs) fun. They were so cool, but they were total body nerds. Like these guys were... Yeah. These guys were like dorks for the anatomy. And uh, so I trained with Jake for a year, I guess, or a year and a half. But at one point, uh, Paul Yurick and I had a show at his old space in San Francisco. And Jake and three of his Kiwi teammates came to the show. And it was a small space, but these dudes were so fucking big that basically a bunch of people had to leave in order for them to fit in the gallery. (laughs) Um, yeah, just some, just some big motherfuckers, but so friendly, so friendly. And just like, um, Maori, is that, do I have that right? The native Kiwis? I think they say Maori, but yeah, I think, um, and they were all, uh, six, five to seven feet tall and like 300 pounds each. It was like, <laughs> I loved, I loved those dudes. And, uh, yeah, I don't that ap- apropos of nothing, I guess, but, um, just another random anecdote. All right. Well, fuck. That's cool. Welcome back. I'm glad you got to meet Zane. I still am not entirely sure he's a real person, but whatever. I mean, I mean, even if he's not a real person, then the government of New Zealand or the government of the Internet at least had the decency to hire a really charming actor to portray him <laughs> for our breakfast, which he paid for. Thoughtful. I also want to shout out whores. 
Uh, number one band in the universe for finally giving us something new to feel optimistic about, wh- about which you and I had, I thought, a pretty <laughs> funny interaction. <laughs> uh, you emailed me uh, and told me to stop everything, watch the new horrors video or something like that. And then I was like, it's it's on my site. Like, it's already on my site. It, as soon as it debuted, I, Decibel. Decibel dot com or whatever had put it on the site so i put it on my site and you were telling me to see to look at a video or you emailed me but i texted you and called it the it voiced the text and changed it to horrors video yeah you were like oh watch this horror video and i was like what horror video (laughs) what and then i was like you should watch this horrors video and you were like motherfucker i just (laughs) said to you it was a real who's on first kind of situation and um, I, I have to I have to adhere to a rule that I developed for myself, which is don't share anything with Steve. <laughs> I already know about it. You already know about if the Internet is doing it, it's almost like you get text alerts from the Internet <laughs> for anything new, funny or interesting that happens. Oh, it's. It's true. It's, I mean, all it is, is just like it's just me sitting around. Um uh, not doing anything with my life. Like that's all it is. It's just all I am is doing, doing internet, being on the internet, which is, that's a sad state of affairs. Uh, but yeah, that video is fucking sick. It's so good. Uh, a guy directed by a guy called uh, Whitey McConaughey, who I don't believe I've met, but he's old, like childhood friends with my friend, Greg Schmidt. And, um, and I texted Greg yesterday. I said, you're friends with Whitey, yeah? And he said, yeah, you need to get a hold of him. And I said, no, I already put my hat in to be like, a, I, w- I will work as a free extra in any of his videos that he ever does. Mm. Um, he has his, what's it called? His, uh, his fucking portfolio of videos that he's done. He's done like all of your favorite Red Fang videos. Those are Whitey's. Yes. Uh, Gatheist, uh, the stomach pains video, that was Whitey. Whitey has done everything and every fucking hard rock video that you've seen that made you smile. That was Whitey. He's, he's a genius. And I was so excited to see that Oris and Whitey had worked together. Yeah. The overlap in that video broke my brain a little bit. The overlap between bands that I like and people that I like. Um, I also, this is a good segue, and I'm not even done with shoutouts yet, but this is a good segue. I sent you a Plasmatics video this morning. Again, I'm sorry. I know you've seen it because it's on the internet, but I sent you a Plasmatics video this morning, which was made in 1978. Now, if you watch it, in the video, Wendy O. Williams drives a bus through a wall of TVs uh, in the desert, which then explodes, which um, echoes the Red Fang video uh, in which they do the same thing. Like it, here, the reason I sent you the plasmatics video was because I didn't realize it was a primary text. Like it came out the year before Mad Max came out. It came out like 700 years before Amel and the Sniffers even existed. Um, it's just yeah, I I I wonder 
I think I remember seeing pictures of Wendy O. Williams in probably the late seventies. And I was intrigued beyond her platinum hair and her, her exposed breasts with the electrical tape and all of that stuff, because I'm fucking nine years old. And of course, right. Like those things are going to be uh, attracting to attractive to me, but the whole notion, like I didn't know, I knew what punk rock was peripherally. Um, uh, but I was so intrigued by it. I was so intrigued by like everything, the music, the abrasiveness, the counterculture. I didn't even know what counterculture was, but I knew that that was something that was attractive to me. Um, and, and I think, I, I don't know where I saw, I was on TV somewhere, but I saw that, that video and was just like, this chick is fucking gnarly. And I want to, I want to know more about it, but it, but it's like they influenced, I guess my point is, is they influenced so much shit that came after that. I don't even think people know that, that they were influenced by. Well, this was the realization of this morning. Also, there's no Gigi Allen without Wendy O. Williams, but, um, the realization I had this morning is people talk about the history of punk rock all the time <clears throat> mm-hmm. and the plasmatics almost never feature in that conversation. There's like an accepted group of bands who are discussed, but what they were doing from a musical and performance point of view was, uh, crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's pretty unsung, pretty underrated. Yeah. Uh, there was, uh, Lee Ving from fear. His son was, uh, I don't know, ran the BMX department at specialized or something for a number of years. I remember crossing paths with him in Vegas, you know, a lifetime ago. And, uh, I recall him looking an awful lot like leaving mm-hmm. and being pretty intrigued by that. But I think I, I think he told me a story or I was, I was in a conversation where he was telling a story or somebody told me the story that he told them. I can't fucking remember at this point, but Wendy O. Williams was his babysitter when he was little, you know, like he, that was just normal. It's just Wendy came to babysit while Lee was playing a show at whiskey go, go or whatever, or, you know, destroying the set on Saturday night live or, but I was right. just like, "Whoa, fuck, man! My my upbringing was so vastly different <laughs> different than yours." <laughs> right. I, Mine J- was Tracy Henderson, Jama Meller. Yeah, we all <laughs> no no only one of us was lucky enough to have Wendy Williams as a babysitter. Yeah. Um. Okay. Okay. But uh, what you got another shout out too? I got one last shout out, and that is to Eric Richter, Mister Black Sox, uh, for his new job at Mondraker USA. Um. I, I don't I very highly doubt Eric listens to this podcast because he's a smart man who has better <laughs> things to do with his time. But he is a bike industry staple. Uh, he's the, he's, he's a, a veterans veteran. Yeah, he's a cornerstone. He's a pylon. I don't know. He's a he's a guy and uh, he's been at Giro Bell for a long time. And the fact that he's leaving Giro Bell uh, probably <laughs> signals a, a, a death knell for that company, sadly. Uh, it's just moving. It's, you know, whatever. It's just it's it's not going to be 
it's not going to be the Giro that we all know and love. And it wasn't just him. It was, it was the whole staff and the whole, the company that bought them moved the whole shit show to Southern California and nobody wanted to go. And the people, it's just another example of it's the company doesn't make the company. The people make the company and without the people, it's just product. And I don't have yep. any interest. I don't have any interest in it anymore. Sadly. I mean, I've, fuck, I've supported that company from the time that I was wearing gear, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. decades. And, and I've always loved the people who work there and I've loved uh, being involved with them. Like they supported, they supported my site for years, you know, when nobody else would. And then I just, I don't know. It's a bummer. Yep. But I'm glad but- for, I'm glad for Eric for sure. Cause he was, uh, you know, I talked to him maybe a month and a half ago or something. He's feeling a little bit unmoored. Uh, and this, this is great. They will, that company will benefit greatly by his, with his presence. We wish him very well. Yes. Uh, I have two quick ones. Uh, Namba at squid bikes fucking hooked me up. Um, squid bikes is so great. Little company in Sacramento, California. And there's such good people. Uh, Emily, Marty, Namba, great folks, great product. And, Namba hooked me up way, went way above and beyond and hooked me up with a, one of their so easy, uh, candy brake bikes. And I've been struggling to swap all my parts because there's no standard. The only standard is non-standard. And it's just been one fucking thing after another, just with the BB and the cranks is like, fuck me, man. Um, yep. and then David at FSA came through and he's, uh, hooked me up with a, uh, crank set with a proper spindle in it, not 30 by whatever the fuck I have, but 30 by whatever the fuck I need. So, uh, David and Amber both just make my heart sing. And I want to say thank you to them. I want to just jump in real quickly and apologize to listeners because the last two items, Steve and I've talked about have been bike related and, and I know you, that's not what you come here for. And I'm sorry <laughs> that we talked about bikes. <clears throat> Yeah, we'll make, we'll we'll try to do better. Uh, okay, what do we do? Music. You pick have one then... more. You have one more shout out, or was there, or is that was it? Uh, Dave, FSA and Squid. Yeah, David and David at FSA and Namba at Squid. That was that was it. I just wanted to say thank you publicly. More good. Um, music pick. Music pick. Let's do them quick. Mine is uh, the Trigger Cut record, uh, Rogo which is their second record. Trigger Cut is a German noise rock band. Shocker, I've picked another noise rock band. Um, These are the guys that went to tour in the UK and basically got turned away and deported by British customs, um, which turned out to be like a huge... (laughs) They didn't get to go on tour, but they did get worldwide publicity for it uh, because it was in the... The Guardian, right? There was an article in yeah, the, Guardian the Guardian about it. Yeah, the Guardian did a story on it. And I didn't know about them before I read the story in the Guardian. And I was like, well, who, punk rock band uh, from Germany. Who are these guys? I went and listened and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, they're really um, good. They're really good. They sound like, a, to me, they sound like a mix of No Means No, Big Black, Shellac. Um, yeah, it's just very angular, aggressive uh pleasurable it pleasures me 
Um, and I think it will pleasure you too. All of the ingredients that we love. Um, yes. Uh, I happened into ritual records the other day and I found a, a good to die record, a release that came out in 2015. It's a Gaytheist rabbit split. I didn't know that this existed and I bought that and I've been listening to that a lot, but so I want to say Gaytheist, Gaytheist rabbit split. Um, ties into the horse video because Jason from Gaytheist was one of the dudes that had a cameo. There was a yes. bunch of, there was a bunch of cameos in that video as there oftentimes are with, with whitey's videos. Um, but, uh, previous to that, I was listening to, uh, a band called the fluid, like a lot. Yeah. I, yeah. went deep down the rabbit hole, the two podcasts. I listened to probably three hours of these two podcasts that I found on the fluids Facebook page. And, uh, one of them, two guys do a deep dive on their last release before they broke up called purple metal flake music that came out on Hollywood records. Um, and the other one was an interview. God, it was an hour and a half, probably uh, an interview with Matt Biscoff was the bass player from the fluid. And he also played in the frantics before that. And he played in 57 lesbian. And he's like, I don't know. He's just a Denver staple, but this guy's ability to recall and his knowledge of addresses and name promoters and shows they played and everything was, it's just fucking encyclopedic. It's, it's insane. Uh, the, it was, I was entranced. Um, but I think what got me on these was I read, uh, something that they're remastering all of their releases. Like none of their shits available digitally except for purple metal flake music. Um, uh, so the f previous four records before that are nowhere and they are being remastered by sub pop. Um, uh, they are sort of a cross between like blue cheer and MC five and the rolling stones and, maybe a little bit of doors and they were the first band to be signed to sub pop records outside of Seattle. That was sort of their claim to fame. Um, uh, but I actually, maybe it was before this, before I started down this rabbit hole or, or after, but I sent Charles Peterson a famed documentarian and photographer of the, you know, what quote Seattle scene. I sent him an email, uh, asking about a print, a mud honey print that Joe Hamilton and I were talking about. And he said that he had that available. And I said, really what I would like is I would like to look through your portfolio of fluid shots. Cause I grew up seeing them and they've long been one of my favorite bands. And he said, Oh shit, that reminds me I've got to look through and I've got to go through all of my fluid shots because sub pop is, I guess it's like really in the works. Like sub pop is going to re-release all of the fluid shit on vinyl remastered, re-energized. That's super exciting. So the record I pick this week is clear black paper.
<laughs> clear black paper by the fluid. Yeah, but also because uh, it ties into the title of today's show, uh, that is the record that has the song uh, Cold Outside. Um, I want to say that I was listening to uh, the last to episode 110 uh, just the other day. And in it, you uh, went on a long, um, <laughs> I'll call it a diatribe about Green River. Mm-hmm. And as you were wrapping up, I thought to myself, this motherfucker is going to pick a fluid record next week. <laughs> or after the whole Green River diatribe, say like, and my pick is the fluid. Like, yeah, <laughs> yes. I was like, there's in my mind, I was like, there's no way this whole train of thought doesn't lead back to the fluid. And oh, sure man. enough, here you are this week. I was I was when you said Gaytheist rabbit split seven inch, I was like, I was like, oh, no, he threw me a curveball. But nope, nope. Straight back to the fluid. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, the Gaytheist rabbit split is actually an LP. I think it's like six songs per side. It's fucking oh. great. It's fucking great. I mean, I think if I could have two picks this week, because I've been listening to them both exclusively. Uh, I guess I could have saved one for next week, but um, I love the fluid. I love the fluid. They were so much fun to see live. They were so underrated. Uh, Jack and Dino, who recorded, fuck, I don't know, one or two or three of the records. At one point in an interview, I read him. I read that he'd said uh, the fluid was either 15 years too late or 20 years too early. Like, yep. I don't know. They're not. I don't know if they're not everybody's cup of tea or people just don't. They they just like slip through the margins, but they I don't know why they weren't bigger. They fucking rule because Denver, because Denver. I mean, they were they were our favorite sons for sure. You know, we were the most landlocked city and we got the West Coast, which is a hundred thousand miles one way. And we got the East coast. We don't have any, like who the fuck came from Utah or Wyoming. Like we kind of had to invent our own scene. Oh, but here real quick. So my friend Kate, she lives in Kansas city and I met real quick. No, it's going to be real quick. Uh, I met her when I was on my road trip in 2019 and we've subsequently become friends. Uh, she's a piercer. She's a, she's just a fucking wild spirit, kind of a staple of Kansas city, real great human being. And I posted a picture of the frantics, which was James, no, Matt and Rick from the fluid. It was their punk rock band in Denver in like the late seventies. And she goes, Oh, that's my uncle's band. And I said, what? And she goes, yeah, my uncle Mark, he was a singer in the Frantics. I'm like, I first heard that song when I was in eighth grade. KGNU, the Boulder radio station, had a punk rock show on Saturday nights. And that was the first place I ever heard their song. My dad's a fucking alcoholic. So Kate said that she went through her, rec- her mom's records when she was a little kid. And she found that record. And she's like, oh, that's about grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> How fucking crazy is that? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I can't believe I like have randomly become friends with 
the fucking granddaughter of the My Dad's an Alcoholic, like the inspiration to that frantic song. Wild, right? I love that story. I, I love that story. I know. Small, small world. It just never ceases to amaze me. Whew. Got to take a breather. Yeah, that was a lot of, and you connected a lot of dots. You connected a lot of dots in the last 10 minutes. I, I, oh, I'm exhausted. I'm sweating over here. Hey, uh, either let, none of those details are correct or you are on fucking point today. They're all correct. They're all correct. I, I'm pretty sure most of them anyway. Uh, all right. Let's well, get into let's take a, a word from the advertiser. Yeah, let's take a break and we'll come right back. Hi, it's Robot. By this point in the podcast, you're all in. You're going the distance. Not all your life choices are the best, but that's okay. None of us is perfect. Here's where I lay it on the line. We're going to entertain you for an hour. We'll do it again next week. In a month, we're going to give you four hours of belly laughs and deep, deep thoughts. All we need from you is a $3 a month subscription to the Cycling Independent. Three bucks. A cup of coffee, a really cheap beer. You've, you've got that money, and, w- and we need it. If you've got more, there are 5 and $10 subscriptions, but we're not pushing. We're not pleading. That $3 would help plenty. And now, back to whatever inane nonsense we were talking about before. Who, and we're back. Do I do this or do you do this? I can't remember. You always do it. Okay. We're deep in winter's cold embrace, and since humans have broken the climate, this winter served up a heaping helping of Arctic chill. Yeah? How do you deal? How do you keep going? What do you look forward to? Oh, boy. That's the fucking truth. I hate winter. I hate snow. Grew up in snow. We didn't have a lot of money, so I couldn't go ski. I didn't have... You know, there wasn't... a Snow didn't represent recreation and fun to me. Snow represented hassle and I have to fucking shovel it and I have to drive in it and I can't go skateboarding and I can't feel the sun on my face and I can't like, it doesn't represent yep. good, good stuff or good memories or anything. And yep. it has been snowing like a motherfucker here and Bellingham famously has no ability to remove snow from anywhere. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. And, uh, so yeah, I've just been kind of like, I made stew the other day. That was oh, stew is a good winter time activity. Yeah. That was fun. That took, that took <laughs> about five minutes. Um, uh, vigorous masturbation. Yep. Nah, just, just kidding. I've been actually going to my studio. I've just been, kidding. It's not vigorous. <laughs> I've been going to my studio. I've been painting, uh, a lot like, uh, you know, I have somewhere to go. And I have something to occupy my mind besides, you know, uh, thoughts of self-abuse or alcohol or, you know, bad decisions or questionable people. But, you know, I mean, because that's a real slippery that can be a real slippery slope. Yeah, I found it like so yesterday we were trying to get it together to record and it wasn't going to happen until late in the day. And I was like, oh, I could record now. And you were like, really? Because I don't want to go home. And I thought, oh. What's there to do here? Like yeah. I'd talk with you for an hour and that'd be fun. And then I'd be just like, right. I wonder what else is on Netflix. It's fucking boring here. Right. Would you say that you <clears throat> like hot better than cold? Um, yeah, for sure. Except when it comes to sleeping. 
Mm. I love, I love. Because I like, I like cold better than hot. I would, ra- but there's cold and there's cold, right? Like I would rather it was 40 out than 80 out personally. Mm. Mm, yeah, no, not me. I mean, if I go on like a cold ride, cause I'm pretty sweaty. Yeah. If I go on a cold ride. I get sweaty and then I'm just wet, you know? And like no amount of wool and thermal jackets and all that shit. And then I'm having to fucking, I got to ride with like multiple changes of clothes and I got to fucking remember to bring three hats and I got to remember to bring a second jacket and it's just a fucking hassle. And then it's, we know how good you are at remembering. <laughs> and then it's it's muddy and then I got to deal with like a dirty bike and they cuz I got no, you know, it's just like about foul weather ironic that um I live here now cuz foul weather does not fucking suit me at all. But it's yeah. not that I'm like it's I mean if I had like a mud room or a garage where I could hang my shit you know, and like strip my fucking leave a pile of wet clothes on the floor like I used to. Fine, but it I'm I'm fucked here. Like it just yeah. doesn't it doesn't work anymore. I so. I was pretty sick of winter until because I've lived in Boston thirty plus years. I was pretty sick of it until I started skiing. I learned to ski super late. Um. Five years ago, maybe. And I'm not a good skier, but like having that like fun activity and I ski at a place that I learned actually just this morning. It's the only ski area in the U.S. that is owned by the people that ski there. Uh, Baker here. It's owned it's by the co-op. same family. Owned by, oh, OK. OK. I get you. This is family owned, still owned by the same yeah, there so, are family-owned places, but this one is actually, it just has, like, the people that ski there all kick in money. It's a co- cooperative. Interesting. No, that's yeah. super cool. Not owned by, a, like, a foreign corporation or whatever, like, yeah, everything in yeah. Colorado is. Yep. And so, the, finding that place and those people and having that thing to do has been a game-changer for me winter-wise. Yeah. Um... But I get it. I get it. People tend to like warm weather better. I think spring and fall are obviously the best seasons. Well, I, it occurred to me, like, I don't like to do things that I have to get into a car to do. Yeah. I, I, I don't like loading up my kayak if I had a kayak <laughs> <laughs> and driving it to a place. I don't like, you know, like all of my activities. <laughs> All of my activities involve me walking out the door and doing the activities. I don't yep. drive and I like it's always bugged me. I yep. hate I hated sitting in a car and you know like growing up in Colorado we were 45 minutes from Loveland and yeah. the, just getting there drove me fucking crazy and I've got to and even like once I moved to the Bay Area uh and I didn't have a car for 20 years like it made even less sense to me, you know, because like all of my, all of the fun things I did from my door and that, and now I'm just like broken like that. So the notion, you know, like people driving from the Bay area to Tahoe and spending six hours in traffic, it just it doesn't, doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't work for me at all. And if yeah. I, even if I drive to Seattle for a show or something, 
I basically have to spend four days to make up for the amount of time that I spent in a, in a car. I hate it. I hate it. Unless you lived next to a stream. I like your, this Stevel's fantasy kayak <laughs> where you suddenly are now just getting places by kayak. I uh, do. I would. Yeah. I mean, if I could walk out my door and put a kayak in the water and go paddle around like for yeah. sh- fucking sure. I'd, I've been kayaking a couple times and I think that that might be my new thing. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Knowing uh, you, it would be like, oh, no, I, I'm into RC kayaks. <laughs> that, would, <laughs> Just, that would be fun. Oh, fuck it. Have it like to go out with a kayak and a little boat and then drive the boat around. From your from, boat? From your, from your boat. Yeah, yeah I like get that. into that if I didn't have to drive to it. Um, so, yeah, uh, fuck, man. Uh, I don't know how I deal. I don't really. I realize when I guess I just get angry. <laughs> That's how I deal. <laughs> Uh, oh, with I, anger and depression. When That's I what moved I do. here, and my friend Susie has been here for 25 years or something, and she has been encouraging me to move here pretty much the entire time. And the first year I was here, the levels the levels of precipitation it was 700 to a thousand percent higher than any recorded point in history. Like weather has never made me feel claustrophobic. And I just like, I could barely fucking breathe the first winter. I was like out of my mind. And she even said at one point, she's like, what the fuck did you do? Why (laughs) did you, why did you, why did you come here? Right. And, um, I realized cause they are like, you know, her, she and her family piss off to, to, uh, Costa Rica or like, everybody's always someplace. My parents are in the fucking Caribbean right now. Like, when you live here, the it's a matter of survival to leave. And nobody told me that. And yeah. so being fucking piss broke, you know, pretty much. Uh, yeah. I can't, I can't, I mean, you know, maybe it's just a matter of priority. Like if it, if I, if it really mattered, I would stop paying my debts and buying food and I would go have these wonderful vacations to sunny places, you know, but like I'm, sort of practical like that. And I don't do things for myself. If it means it's going to fuck me financially down the road. Yeah. That's not American. Right. No, no. Sometimes you just got, I almost went to Australia to see the Bronx in 68 play. Yeah. Like my ex was like, dude, just fucking go buy your tick, buy a ticket and go. And I was like, you know, I think I'm going to do it. And then the IRS came knocking like a week later and said, Oh, and by the way, you owe us everything you have. Uh, and so, you know, that would have been an impulse, uh, investment that I would have remembered forever, but I would still be fucked. I would be fucked. I am fucked. I am fucked. Cause the IRS took everything. Zane Jenkinson flew from New Zealand to Australia to walk, to, to go to that show in Brisbane. And he said it was fucking great. Yeah. He said, uh, my friend, Matt card, uh, he is also in, where is he? I don't know, somewhere in Australia. And he was like, the crowd did not get 68. <laughs> That's what Zane said. <laughs> yeah, which I just can't imagine. I don't get that. How? How can you not? It's like, how can you not get that band? It's it's wild. Um, but uh, Matt uh, Off just came and played there. And, uh, and Matt said that nobody got off either. Mm. Got, got understood off. 
That's crazy. It's just fucking weird. What are you guys doing? Like, what is it that lights a fire? You like he's Matt said that everybody likes like, hey, ho, let's go bands. Like the Oof. Bronx makes sense to people. But 68, somehow you're just going to stand there on your feet, like with your hands in your pockets and wait for them to be done. And I, again, reiterate every time 68 plays in America, they, they play with terrible bands. And then I got to fly to the other side of the world to see two of my favorite bands play together. Shenanigans. But 68 are going on tour and uh, they'll be here uh, in a couple months. And I'm not, gonna... cra- not crazy about the bands they're playing with. That's okay. I think they're headlining, right? So I don't care. I don't care. As long as the, I don't want to watch them play a 20 minute opening set for some fucking emo deal rods. Okay. My apologies to emo deal rods. I'll give you that. Or people who like emo deal rod music. I'll give you that. But still, how great would it be to be as psyched to see the opening band as you are the headliner? I don't think that's ever happened to me. I think... Maybe, no. I saw the Jesus Lizard open for Nirvana one time, and that was real fun. But I was actually kind of more excited to see the Jesus Lizard. I don't know. I don't know. Like, that would be contemporarily, I don't believe that there's been a show that I've seen where I was was as excited about Mm. the headliner as I was the opening band and vice versa. Anyway. What's the coldest uh, you've ever been? He said, bringing the show back on topic. Last Wednesday, I was riding home from having drinks with Joe Hamilton for his birthday. And I, that was the first time I've been on my bike outside that I thought I might die. Like if I get a flat tire or I get clipped by a car or something, I'm going to freeze to death. It was 30 below and, and I'm riding to get home. I'm riding through a place where people don't travel so that was pretty rough um but the first thing that i thought of was chris mcnally and i went camping on the lost coast about four years ago and i was in the back of my truck and it was well below freezing for sure and there was wind and 100 percent humidity and i was under two sleeping bags with wool tights on and jeans and socks and t-shirt and a hoodie and a wool cap and i was like paralyzed i was so fucking cold and i think i think that might be that might be it because hmm. it was like a all-night thing it wasn't just me riding home and hoping i don't freeze to death but it was yeah a, there's a most of my coldest ever moments um are have been like in transit Right. Like you're just like, I just have to deal with this for however long and then I can get warm. But that all night thing, that's rough. Yeah. There comes a point where it's so cold that like the snot in your nose begins to freeze. Like yeah. at, at first it just has a menthol feeling. And then you're like, oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, like the snot's going to freeze my sinuses shut. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I got friends in Minneapolis and. And they ride all winter and... Oh, they're the toughest. They're the roughest. And they love posting pictures of, like, icicles on their face and stuff. And, and uh, you know, I can dig that. Like, I'm happy for them. I don't... <laughs> I don't think it's... I don't know if I'm not... Maybe I'm not built for it. Maybe I'm not built for it. 
Well, it's one of those things you have to kind of acclimatize and to and embrace. Like that's what those lunatic Minneapolis Minneapolisians. That's what they do. Yeah, they're nuts. They're nuts. They're better. They're better than me. I, I mean, I've had some cold days in New England, but New England, while cold, it's not Minneapolis. Yeah. Or I, Calgary. Uh, that's that's true. You know, I don't have. I think I'm probably just I'm probably just soft, you know, like I spent so long not living in with long winters where it's, you know, starts snowing at the end of September and snows through fucking June. Which I just was miserable, but I also had a car and I wasn't spending like all of my time transporting myself around and having to deal with non plowed roads on a bike and so forth. Um, Minneapolis has really good infrastructure too, though, you know, like yeah, there, yeah. there are rail to trail trails all over the place. And, and yeah. I think they're maintained. I think they're, pla- I think it like, it makes it reasonably, the city makes it reasonably easy for people on bike to get around. Uh, so really your only adversary is, or, or one of the only challenges is the climate. And if you got clothes for it, and, you know, you got mud, people have mud rooms there and people have, you know, I don't know, fuck, bike storage. I haven't spent a lot of time in Minneapolis during the winter for <laughs> for this reason. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I fucking hate winter. That's right. Um, um, yeah. Let's cut what? straight to question two. When it's cold and dark like this, what things do you do other than making stew to keep going, and what are you looking forward to when spring comes? Um, well, I'm just drawing. I'm drawing. I got a show in June, so I have a goal. I have something to work towards. Mm. And so I've just been kind of keeping my nose down for the last few months and doing that. And yep. And that feels good because I feel like I'm being productive and I'm doing something that is worthwhile. And, and it, you know, keeps my brain stimulated and keeps my body moving. And, um, I'm just looking forward to like green, you know, like getting in water and not wearing sleeves and yeah, frolicking. I love, I love nice weather frolicking. Yeah. That's one thing I do know. That's one people are like, what's Steve like? And I'm like, that motherfucker loves a frolic. (laughs) It's the best. Yeah. What about you? But I, you also, you have like distractions, you know, like you have, you've got like, you know, family and multiple jobs and <laughs> community and I don't know. seems pretty I would, I would happily drop like, like five of those things. Right now, my mind is conf- <laughs> consumed by which of the things that I am responsible for that I can <laughs> stop being responsible for. Oh, um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to try to go skiing a little bit because there's no mountain biking right now, which is normally my mental health outlet. Um, God damn. You don't have a fat bike, do you? I don't. I don't. I rode one one time and I didn't like it. And But I have good friends who are like, oh, this is the thing you need. I have I have studded tires, but I haven't I haven't put them on my bike yet. I went, uh, I was in Colorado with Laura and Joe from Soul Run. Shout out Laura and Joe from Soul Run. 
uh, they had a place in Nederland and Laura and a friend of hers and I went fat biking and it was, it was really fun, you know, like you, cause you're just cruising and you're seeing the trail from a completely different vantage point and you're seeing all of this stuff. I like riding a bike. Like, yep. I like walk. I like riding a bike far more than I like walking. I think walking is nice and going on hikes and stuff, but riding a bike, it just, I don't know. It satisfies. It checks so many boxes for me. And, um, it was challenging, you know, cause you're like wearing all your clothes and you're wearing Sorrells and you're not, you know, you're not out like ripping. You're just fucking checking shit out. And that, it was a guess. And then, and I got a bloody nose and I made a huge red spot in the snow and that was fun. Um, so you're saying I should get a fat bike. I don't know. Uh, I guess, you know, if there would be, I kind of wish I had a surly Krampus, um, which is what I like 29 plus. And I didn't understand why I didn't like, it didn't make any sense to me for the riding that I was doing. Like I've got a mountain bike. Why do I need a mountain bike with big tires? And I ended up selling it. And I kind of wish that I never had. Cause like that, I would, I would love to have that bike here. I don't know. It Can just gives you an opportunity to kind of float on top of the snow instead of trudge through it. I'm going to tell you a thing that I learned in New Zealand. Do you know what they call hiking in New Zealand? No. Tramping. Tramping. Interesting. And, and suddenly you enjoy the activity like 10% more. Um, Robert Ives from Blue Collar, uh, he refers to like, and this isn't specific to gender. You can be a woman tramping around with floozies or a man tramping around with floozies. But tramping is, you know. A different thing. It's getting, getting slutty. Well, I mean, I like the idea that you could combine those activities. Getting slutty while tramping? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Sign me up. Again, being in New Zealand would be far more fun than being here, I think. I agree completely. Although tramping. I hear their winters, which are our summers, are bleak and gray. But let's just pretend that it's a magical land uh, where nothing bad ever happens and Zane Jenkins and buys you breakfast. I need a house there during the their, their summer and then a house here during this summer. Yeah, also, I don't have any money, so I can't do either of those things. Speaking well, of which. When you, when you sell those knuckle dusters you just bought, you'll have plenty of money to do all this stuff. I think the depreciation, when the when the knuckle dusters leave the showroom floor, they, de they depreciate by like 25%. So I don't, I won't get the same amount out of them that I put mm. into them. Uh, I did come across a, there's a feed on Instagram that is, I don't know if they are promoting trucks for sale, but somebody put together a fucking clean fall guy replica, the GMC, uh, fall guy truck and it's for sale and it's for sale for far less than I would imagine it should be. And I want to buy it so bad. And I was thinking if I took every bit of my money I had and then some, which is not very much, I might be able to afford that. And if I afforded it, I wouldn't be able to live here. So I would have to live in the truck, which I'd, I'd be okay with that too. You know, I don't like having uh, physical objects be become a person's personality, you know, but I think if I was by the fall guy truck, I would, I'd be okay with being the fall truck guy, fall truck, fall guy, truck guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, just an appeal to all of the multimillionaires that listen to revolting. 
Maybe we'll, maybe we'll start a special um, subscription for TCI <laughs> that costs one Fall Guy truck. Uh, I want it so bad. And I think if, if everyone I know and everyone I've ever known contributed $5, I'd be able to afford it. But organizing yeah. that is, is too much. And also, I'm not going to do a GoFundMe because I probably will need to rely on that when I get a terminal illness and am ignored by, you know, dropped by my insurance company or whatever. Right. So, you know, like doing crowdsourcing for, a, for a selfish reason, you know, crowdsourcing for a present for yourself. That's, that doesn't work for me. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anybody who wants to buy me a fall guy truck, I will gladly drive you around in it. We can, um, go pick up bail jumpers. Uh, we can jump Porsches. Maybe there's a future where you and I have like a, a very marginal cable show where we become bounty hunters driving around in the fall guy truck. We could record the podcast directly <laughs> from the cabin of the truck. <laughs> well, since that's where I'm going to be living uh, anyway, that would be yeah. that would stand to reason. Yeah. Uh, question three. Oh, I got another would you rather that I heard the other day. That's a good one. I'm going to I'm going to include that after this one. But would you rather have a bird shit in your eye or a cow shit on your shoe? Uh, for sure, a cow shit on my shoe. I think bird uh, shit has all kinds of horrible things that you don't want in your eyeball. I'm sure. But the volume of bird shit is relatively small. It's, and all the entire bird shit isn't going to fit in your eye. You know, it's mm. going to strike a glancing blow to your eye. Whereas a lot of bacteria and all kinds of cooties in that, though. Do you know how big a cow shit is? Have you ever seen a cow actively shit? Because it is it is it is a fountain of feces. Can you um, do you have like an eyewash station right there handy that you can just immediately blast all of that badness out of your eye? Or you got to like carry it around until you can get to a sink? I'd say you got to carry it around. I, th- I don't think would you rather's come with emergency eye wash stations. I just don't <laughs> think I don't think that's realistic. I would for, I'd still take a cow shit on my shoe. I throw my shoe away. I hose my leg off eventually. Way better uh, option than having bird shit in your eye, I think. I'm going to choose the bird shit in my eye. But I will say I was in the backyard with my wife just this last summer and we were under a tree, as you sometimes are when you're outside, and a bird shit on my wife's shoulder. It hit her shoulder and sort of like ran down. And I was like, oh, that's that's good luck. And she's like, she's just like, it's a lot warmer than you expect it to be. <laughs> uh, have you seen uh, Kings of Leon? Was There's footage of Kings of Leon playing a show and. One of the, the singer or something got shit on and he had a tantrum and like they all ran off stage. And around the same time, Cindy Lauper was doing a show and she was belting out one of her big Cindy Lauper notes. And you can see bird shit goes right in her mouth. And she goes, oh, man. And she spits it out, spits it on the ground and keeps going. Yeah, of course she does. Cindy Lauper is way better than Kings of Leon. Agree to agree. Uh, okay. Second, um, would you rather that I heard the other day, would you rather eat, you have 24 hours to eat a bean the size of a human man, or you eat a human man that's the size of a bean. 
You have 20. Well, look, I weigh 170 pounds. You're saying I got 24. It's not possible for me to eat 170 pounds of bean in 24 hours. You would eat a tiny man. Oh, yeah. I'd eat a tiny man. That's Uh, one less man on the planet. I wouldn't. I couldn't do that. I'd wear a T-shirt after that said one less man. (laughs) What's your T-shirt mean? Oh, I fucking ate him. I couldn't do it. He's wearing like tiny boots and tiny jeans and he's standing there and he's like a little, he's like a little miniature guy. And he's, and you can, if you put him up to your ear, he's like, Hey, listen, you know, like I didn't ask to get born like this. I just, this tiny guy trying to live my best tiny life. And you all, Oh, well, sorry. And you yeah, I'd say, I'd say, shut up. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I would, I mean, you're not going to die if you don't eat a, a 170 pound bean in 24 hours, but that's the, you do one or the other. You do your best with one or the other. I couldn't eat a tiny man. I'd eat the tiny man. Oh, Fuck that awful. dude. <laughs> Fuck that tiny dude. Worst. Yeah. Uh, outro. Now it's time for us to go. Go. We hope you heard something here you can repeat to someone else who won't think it's funny. Also, uh, if you want us to be able to feed ourselves and or buy a Fall Guy truck... Please consider dropping a nickel or dime in the tip jar at the Cycling Independent. On behalf of the Cycling Independent and the Revolting Podcast, I'm Steve. I'm Robot. Don't forget to suck it.